Bigger than cakes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Angela. How are you doing, Angela? I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. Jolly good. Yeah. yeah. I, f- I feel like this is our first episode together in a while. It is, because, yeah, everybody's... We had Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, which was everybody, and the Roundup, which was everybody. Um, yeah. Yes, we did. And other things. Did I talk about something with Will at one L- point? Little, little Bird. Last week you talked about yes. Will. Yeah, so this is our first episode together since Homesick Pilots? Yeah, I think it is. Wow, look at me remembering our... Hey, memories. ...past conversations. Um, so, how have you been in the last, I want to say, month? Month? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been all right. You know, it's, it's it, it feels at the moment like we're just living in a perpetual cycle of nothingness. So that's continued. Sweet, sweet nothingness. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it does a little bit. I've kind of been waiting for something to happen for like <laughs> what feels like an eternity now. Um. But yeah, not a lot does happen, no. does it really? No, no, you know it's monday and then it's sunday and then it's monday again and you think wow that's a week pretty much um yeah not sure how i feel about it. the heat is still killing me as i said to will a week ago um i just yeah. st- st- stay awake being warm now i don't I don't really sleep i've given that up um I, I at least close my eyes under the pretense of sleep that's right i just lie in the dark for a while thinking about how warm i am um, yeah. So, have you been you've been doing much? You've been reading some things, re- watching some things. I've been reading some things. I'm currently um, I am well behind in the Murderbot Diaries, which if you've never read them, people, you really, really should. They're so good. Um, so yeah, I'm currently where am I up to? Network Effect at the moment because Fugitive Telemetry appeared, and I was like, oh, I never read Network Effect. I need to go back and just read that. Before I read, although apparently Fugitive Telemetry is a standalone, but I thought, nah, I need to, I need to get back on this. The problem with it is, is once I start reading it, I don't want to stop, which is very awkward when I'm trying to read it during a lunch break at work, because I'm like, oh, I've got to go back to work, but also I want to know what happens next. <laughs> it's very frustrating. It's a really good read, but a very frustrating read. I, I can honestly say I've not read any Murderbot Diaries. You need to read Murderbot. <laughs> Everyone needs to read Murderbot. It is, it is, yeah, it's, I don't read a lot of books with many words in them. Mm. I mean, to be fair, they don't because there's like novellas and then the thick, the full length novel, which is still shorter than most novels. Um, but yeah, no, I really, really love Murderbot. But then again, snarky artificial intelligence. Of course I'm going to like it. Oh, how is Snarky Artificial Intelligence not like your username on Twitter or anything? I think it was take. I should look into that. I should maybe <laughs> change my username on Twitter to that. Um, 
I can relate. I think I've read considerably less books without pictures in the last few years. I I, I tend to start a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And then abandon them around the house and start reading something else. With pictures in. That tends to be my way. I can literally count on one hand the number of books without pictures that I've read in the last 12 months. They were all good. I think I'm just really picky about what I want to read now. I'm not prepared to put the work in because my mum does that. She'll like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll try this. I'll read at least five chapters. And I'm like, if it doesn't hook me in the first two, it's gone. (laughs) It's gone. I think that's where I've gotten to, but... My my equally my mum like she'll hate a book like full on hate a book and she'll still finish it. She yeah like she'll p- plow through every single chapter just to be able to definitive definitively say like I hated this. This was a bad book. Um, yeah, I've never understood it, but I think yeah, I have a tendency to read good books and yeah. not finish them. <laughs> Um, and then forget about that and start something else. Like I know when Altered Carbon started, yeah, um, I started reading Altered Carbon. It's fine. I've just not read more than about four chapters. Um, I started reading Good Omens in January. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. determined like this is a new year. I'm going to read some novels. Yeah. I know I like Good Omens. I'm going to read Good Omens again. Yeah. Nah, I'm about. <laughs> About 200 pages into a 400-page book and just... I did manage... I think I did manage to read Good Omens, but I'm not a massive fan of Neil Gaiman's prose writing, like his his words-only writing. Unpopular opinion, I know. Um, but, yeah, I've tried most of his. I've tried yeah. Stardust, Neverwhere, and Nancy Boys... I even tried Coraline because that's a kid's book. but And it's it, only like 100 pages. <laughs> yeah. But something about his writing just doesn't, in that form. I mean, I will read his, you know, picture endeavours. But then again, he's not responsible for the pictures. So there you go. Take that what you will. But yeah, <laughs> I have tried. I think Good Omens I could get through because he's teamed up with Terry Pratchett. And that's... That is true. That's um, the only reason... I have a similar problem with Neil Gaiman, actually, and I think one of the things is he's quite vague as a writer. Yeah. So when he's writing comics, there's someone there to, like, fill in the blanks. Yes. Um, But I think he has tendencies to just kind of not tell you anything at times and just, like, hope you'll get on with it. Um, Short stories, though. I think short stories and comics are where... Definitely, I'm, I'm good with yeah. Neil Gaiman. Um, good Omens yeah. is good, and I do wonder how much of that is Terry Pratchett like filling in the blanks. I feel like a lot. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of it is Pratchett doing some heavy lifting. I could be wrong. I've not read all the Discworld books. I will never read all the Discworld books. I, I know Matt claims to have read all the Discworld <laughs> books, and I don't believe. I don't just don't believe it's possible. No. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I mean, you stop writing them now, so in theory, you could catch up, but still. There's only so many, still, so. There's only so many things I can read in a year. I'm right in thinking there's, like, 40 Discworld books at oh, this there's point, there's a right? lot. I lost count around the 30 mark, so there's well more than that. Yes. 
time? Is it time to Google? No, no. Why, why would you say no. that? Why, we'll 41, just... incidentally. 41! It's the number I've settled on. For... Okay, we'll go with that then. Should you Google that, they might claim that there's 41 Discworld novels published over 32 years. But... <laughs> There you go. He's very prolific. But that's just the kind of trivia I happen to just that's conjure from the now. That's there. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All the search engines are available. Yeah, although less used to these. I was just thinking these days, where have all the search engines gone? Where? What happened to Alta Vista? <laughs> the, the scariest thing I ever read in a Stephen King book is um, in one of his like four-in-one novella things that he does. There's a point where a character uses Bing as a search engine. No. No. It's like that. It's, yeah, like, it's, that. Out of me. it's like the Amazing Spider-Man. Like the wor- one of the worst things about that film was the fact Peter Parker just uses Bing all the time. Just doesn't seem authentic for the real world. No one's ever. Except if you're working somewhere where the browser of choice is Microsoft Explorer and presumably now Edge, where yeah. you somehow end up on Bing. Yeah. Mm. That's the only time it's ever <laughs> Oh, I love how weird this has gotten so, so fast. Search uh, most of the time we do these and kind of talk about, like, comics or films or something, but... No, search engines. <laughs> Murder bots, Terry Pratchett. Murderbot, yeah. Dragging us slowly back towards the point. Yes. We've both, I feel like we've both read a lot of comics recently, but they've all been just to review them for the website. I don't want to break (laughs) the illusion for people, but that is absolutely true. I mean, I've liked them. I mean, Carmen, for example, the review Mm -hmm. of number four, um, went up this week. Um, that, that one could definitely be true. That could be true by time at time of recording. Um, but I enjoy it. I look forward to reading it to review it. But it does mean that I am mostly reading comics and then reviewing them. I will say I have got Eve two waiting for me. I've subscribed to Eve on yes. Comicsology, so I've got Eve two waiting for me. But uh, I am looking forward to Eve two. Um, Eve one was good. Um, yeah. As we covered last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, fortnight ago, yeah. Fortnight ago. Um, wow. Oh, there's other stuff I've subscribed to. I can't think what it is from that. So Eve, Eve I've subscribed to, and obviously not Marjorie Finnegan. No. Um, Eve two. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember. I subscribed we to had, things. What did we have? We had Jenny Zero, which I think is probably a trade weight for me. Yes, and, and uh, Bexter. Bexter, which again, I'm tempted to try trade. Although, having said that, it is quite a good read as, an, as it seems like it could be a good singles book. Yes, and I, I do want to support Mad Cave. Yeah. They're a, a publisher that are relatively new to me. I kind of want to see what they've They got. seem to put out some interesting stuff. So, yeah. Um, what else has Zach been reading? Uh, I've been. <laughs> How is the turtles going? <laughs> the turtles is forever. I am currently on volume ten of the hardcover Yay. IDW collections. Um, in what I anticipate is about to be the trial of Krang back in Dimension X. 
and I can't wait. I, I I feel weird being this person, but man, Krang's adorable, isn't he? <laughs> it's just just a a little, a little pink bl- blob, pink blob that's just angry about everything and can't relate to that. I mean, that's... sure, you know, sure, he's a little bit genocidal at times. Yeah, but... we've all been there. We've all had the feeling of wiping out life, but you know. You know, for for our own benefit, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but Krang, there's there's definitely a, an appeal to Krang. I just, yeah. I was going to say he's a good egg. That's definitely not true. He's definitely no, the bad guy. He's a villain. But there is something endlessly interesting about Krang. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to carrying on with that, which I will probably do more of today because I am, like, contractually obliged to at this point, I think. Yeah, um, yeah Turtles is good. Um, I, I've been kind of breaking it up by reading... Um, the deluxe edition of hack slash <laughs> interesting choice yeah which i've kind of not read any of hack slash before and have been kind of looked down upon every time i acknowledge its existence but i really like money shot yeah as has been expressed previously and i really like revival which is where the idea no hack slash the idea for revival came from hack slash yeah yes and i don't know at some point in a humble bundle somewhere the pdfs of hack slash have made their way to me um and it is just like reading a 50 page slasher film and it's it's not perfect. It's definitely flawed. It is as trashy as a slasher film at times. There is one story that involves... I don't want to give too much away, mm. but Robert Kirkman and Scotty Young, and is it Steve Niles who did 30 Days of Night? Could have um, been. All characters, all dead. Um, Brilliant. What more do you need to know about Hack Slash? And... Um, yeah, so this, however, this of course is making me incredibly paranoid. So if I'm like reading Hack Slash at night, I'm like, right, I need to just make sure all the lights are on and there's no one trying to kill me. Yeah. Um, which probably says more about my state of <laughs> un- mind, unhinged, yeah. heat addled brain that I'm like worried someone's trying to kill me. Yes, if the heat um, doesn't get you, someone else will. That's right. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure I recommend breaking up turtles with random hack slash issues, but if it works, if it ain't broken, and if we've got the yeah. humble bundles to, <laughs> to keep feeding me more of this, um, the the intention was so the deluxe edition did come out through Image a couple of weeks ago, maybe okay, a couple of months ago. My intention was to do like a delayed review of it. <laughs> But it's so long and it's taking me so long to read because it's like 500 pages. That's a big boy. And I'm kind of tempted to like put out a written review of it that's like, okay, so a couple of hundred pages in. This is where (laughs) I'm at. And I'll just update it periodically. It'll be more of a hack slash blog post. than. I mean, we've not done a real time review. That could be interesting. (laughs) 
just updating it every few chapters. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's where I am now. That's fair enough. Turtles and Slashes. <laughs> Turtles and Slashes. Uh, that's a band name right there. Not a good band, but a band. Not a good but... band. No, <laughs> no, terrible band. Um, that's just reminded me that I watched um, yesterday, last night, you know, the like... Oh, yeah. Is that the... Um... That film with the guy and the Beatles. That's right. Good job, Angela. There you go. And the guy who gets hit by a bus and when he wakes up, the Beatles never existed. So he decides to write all the Beatles songs. Songs, yeah. Um, I was kind of expecting it to not be very good because that's kind of the way I think it was reviewed. And... I had a really good time. I just, Yay! <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it turned up on Netflix, and I realised I never went to see it. And um, it's Danny Boyle who, of course, brought us the greatest sci-fi film of our age in Sunshine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, Sunshine, of course, a uh, slasher film in space. Well, yeah, basically. Uh, which absolutely just a good choice, isn't it? Um. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um. I. I don't remember anyone saying anything positive about yesterday at the time, but... No, I don't either. I had a pretty good time, and hey. um, just reminded me how much I like the Beatles. Not that I really need that reminder, but... See, I was I was brought up in a, a Beatles versus Kinks household. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I, I was brought up in, in a household of my mum just outright rejecting the Beatles' existence. <laughs> Yeah, see, my mum really liked the Beatles, and my dad thought they were overrated, and that the Kinks were far better. So, as a teenager, I have to say, I leaned towards the Kinks. Ah, see, I can see both arguments. Um, As I argued on a previous podcast with a previous podcast host, just because the Beatles are overrated, it doesn't mean they're not really good. Very true. Very true. Um... Hell, you know what? Yesterday got 63% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 89% from the audience. That's a good film by, yeah. by the I mean, internet's account, considering I mean, some of the tribe we watch. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be watching, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, someone had ideas. Um, yeah, no, I think that's the thing. Rotten, to- you, you did, Rotten Tomatoes is a pointless exercise, I think, most of the time. Yeah, the opinions tend to cancel each other out, and then if you look at IMDb reviews, they yeah, <laughs> IMDb seems to be a place where people go to review films explicitly to say the words. I don't understand what all the hate is about. Oh, yeah. Um, possibly my favourite sentence to see in a review. Just uh, what's the issue, man? What's the issue? This is fine. totally fine. This is not the worst Fantastic Four. Uh, I went, no, no one ever said that. Nice. Um, actually, people probably did. I don't know. I watch a lot of films at the moment um, that people hate, and I'm kind of like, this is fine. Right? Yeah. Change your expectations. Break it up with some, you know, Fox-made Fantastic Four to so really yeah. reset the bar for yourself. Then um, you'll know. Then you'll know what a bad film is. Speaking of which, uh, Men in Black International, better than people let on. True. Um. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I would. I would argue possibly better than Men in Black Three. I don't know if I saw Men in Black Three, which I think might. 
I didn't Batman. like Men in Black 3. As far as I'm concerned, we only had the two. Uh, Men in Black 2 does have one of my favourite bits of bad dialogue, which is that um, Will Smith saying to Rosario Dawson, have you ever noticed that it rains when you're sad? And she's all like, hey, you know, lots no. of people are sad when it rains. It's like, no, it rains because you're, you're sad. sad. Oh. That was Tommy Lee Jones said that to her, yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was Tommy Lee Jones said that. Because there was kind of a weird implication that was he a father or not? Did he get off with her mother, the alien queen or not? Who's to say? It's it's bad dialogue, but it's, it's like five-star bad dialogue. It's, it's peak bad dialogue. It's, mm, it's, it's good stuff. Not for the right reasons, but... Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Um, I think I would quite happily go back and watch Men in Black 2, so maybe leave that with me. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, is there a way to segue into us doing Men in Black films? Is there, did they have comics? I yes, bet they, they had comics. Have, they had comics. They did. Were they good? I don't know. It was before my time. I'm sure they had comics. I'm, I will swear that if you, if you, if people out there who have access to a Google <laughs> wish to Google it, I'm sure they will find. I'm pretty sure it was, but yeah, I don't, I feel like it was in the 60s. I feel like it was before. I mean, but, I may be wrong. That may be because the film set the for you know set the flashback bits in the sixties, and the whole bit about. I'm not going to get into Google in this right now, but no. I, I am going to research this ex- excessively, and and we will find the answer. Maybe we need to really crack open the you know vault of films people don't expect us to cover. Let's um, let's look into Cowboys versus Aliens. Let's yeah. Something the Men in Black crate. Yeah, it was a comic book. There you go. I can confirm it wasn't a very long comic book. It was six issues, but it was a comic book created by Lowell Cunningham, originally published by Arsenal Comics, bought out by Malibu Comics, which was bought out by Marvel Comics. There you go. And it was the early, yeah, early 90s. There we go. That's probably why I have a vague memory. So what I'm hearing from you is Men in Black International Comics confirmed from Marvel for 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on who owns. That, but, but it does beg the question, who owns the rights? But Men in Black was Fox and Disney owned Fox. So there you go. We, we can get a Marvel film out of that. Fingers crossed. Mm. Um, re- real issues there with the fact that, you know, some characters may also be cast in the Marvel Universe. Well, no, some actors may also be cast in the Marvel Universe. Yes. For now, at least. Infinite universes, it's fine. That's right. Infinite universes, infinite crossover possibilities. Um, With that (laughs) said, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Speaking of infinite diversity and infinite combinations. (laughs) Nicely done. Thank you. This is Pride Month. Yep. June is Pride Month, traditionally. Um, Which, as we were talking before we started, largely in America, but also seemingly everywhere else as well now. Yeah, it started (laughs) in America. Now now all the places. I believe there's a global... I think we have some sort of global day at the end of June, I believe. Don't quote me on that internet, but yeah. We can have as many global days as we want. We're just... (laughs) Just make our stake our claim for it. Um, 
So we wanted to do a kind of Pride Month special podcast where we'll shine a light on some of the um, Pride titles. Pride. Yes. I was trying to f- think of a pun there. I don't think there is one. No, there isn't. That, um, <laughs> that we particularly like and often recommend. Um, we've been doing some Pride articles over at biggerthancapes.com. Yeah. Um, which we should more regularly plug, I reckon. Yeah, biggerthancapes.com is our website, which is full of reviews. and Occasional other things. Yes, um, but there will be there will be probably more Pride recommendations, maybe for books we discuss, and maybe in more detail, who's to say? We've got to write them yet. <laughs> yes, who knows what the future holds. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Pride books and books for pride month and pride month recommendations mm. and as angela has suggested some of the uh, <laughs> the, the, the great bi- the great big questions the big questions within pride and comics and representation and all those things. such things to be honest with everyone this isn't our most structured episodes it's <laughs> um, become increasingly apparent as this introduction has continued yeah the, the more we've talked about how we were going to do this episode i think the less we know how we're going to do this episode so we're gonna wing it a little bit and we'll see yeah i like our chances i think i, I think we can do something with this yeah i think this will be a good quality episode <laughs> and yeah <laughs> 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Always the goal. Never 100. You don't, wanna, you don't want people to be too positive or too no, excited. Or they'll, or they'll dig up reviews from ages ago just so they can knock the freshness score off Paddington 2. <laughs> one of the two best Paddingtons, I hear. It is the best Paddington. It's one of the greatest films of all time. But that's not the point. That's not what today is about. That's next. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, Angela, where would you like yeah. to begin with? Where would I like to begin? Uh, well, that's a good question, isn't it? So, there is a thing these days where we want diversity in comics. But let us begin back in the days when there wasn't so much diversity in comics. Because there didn't used to be. It used to be full of straight white dudes, essentially. Um occasional women who didn't really do much because um you know women's um so yeah so we talked we 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 had a little bit of discussion and we you know the big publishers we'll mention them we're going to focus more on the indies but just to just to put in context so the first obviously gay character Belongs to DC, and I'm going to let you say his name because I can't pronounce it very well. So it's <laughs> he's meant to be Spanish. So yeah, I'm guessing he's extraño. That's what we think because there's a little thing over the A, but a yeah. little wavy accent guy. Yeah, so he's he's 1987. For those of you who are young enough to not remember the 80s, um. 
it kind of is a little bit of a big deal. It, it feels like, oh, that wasn't very early. It was remarkably early because the AIDS crisis was still going on in the 80s. I remember as quite a young kid of about eight or nine, which is late 80s, early 90s, and hearing about AIDS on news, and it was it was a very big thing even then. So, yeah, so he was DC's. Marvel was a bit later. They had North Star of Alpha Flight. I think he said the words in 1992. The creator claims that he was always intended to be gay right from his inception in 1979. So, again, quite early. So that's what the big two have done. Um, You're probably aware the big two have continued to occasionally try diversity and occasionally, no, not occasionally, every time they've tried it, they've had pushback. But then you go, there we go. (laughs) They have tried it. And I feel like some examples have been more long-standing than others. Was it what the the example that I always thought was the earliest uh, gay DC character was Obsidian, yeah. um, Alan Scott's son, and I'm now realizing that Obsidian. Was, <laughs> I, I haven't seen Obsidian in a long time, Angela. No. No. I mean, to be fair, currently, I mean, Batwoman is held up as a very, you know, good example, which is which is good. Um, And they did bombshells, although, as we've discussed, neither of us stuck with that title for very long Um, for reasons. It did feel like an exercise in diversity. Sadly, it had everything I should have loved about it and I didn't love it. And to be fair, I, I know people who really enjoyed Bombshells. Mm. So I, I am glad that it did find an audience. And I think it was a good creative team. I just... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why Bombshells didn't... It just didn't... It with me. Quite land. Um, with Marvel, I mean, you've got Iceman. Although that was a very... That was controversial because time travel and his past self and his future self and yes and i know the yeah i know it was met with mixed responses as was his solo series afterwards um yeah i i liked his solo series but it could have been better um yeah i think that's entirely fair i think I think it works to say that Iceman is gay and has always been gay and the Yeah. A little bit awkward with the Jean Grey kind of psychically outing him as always being gay, which I, I feel like could have been handled better. A lot better. Yeah, there's it, basically any other way of handling that is probably Yeah. a little bit more yeah. considered. Um Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah. Um, but you've also got in the Young Avengers, you've got Teddy and the other one, Wiccan and Hulkling. That's it. I can never remember their names. I'm really sorry, people. Um, it's been years since I read Young Avengers. Um, but yeah, you've got them, and that's nice. Is it? I want to say it's Billy. It's Billy. It is Billy. Yeah, <laughs> Billy and Teddy, or Wiccan and Hulkling. Um, but no, it's good to have them as, you know, young characters who they haven't been retconned in any way, which is nice. That's true. 
Yeah. But, I mean, examples are few and far between. I mean, the Hellcat run that was probably like six years ago now. No, no, that would suggest the passage of time, and I can't deal with that. No, but anyway, that, that with the cutesy art, that had quite a few. I'm going to go with LGBTQIA+. Have I got those in the right order? When no. I was... When I was growing up, we only had LGBT. So I apologize to people if I just lapse and just go with those four letters because as a teenager, that was all we had. That was all I knew. <laughs> we didn't have any of the other letters. Sorry. <laughs> we didn't even have a plus. It never occurred to put mm. a plus on there. But anyway, there you are. So I might just, yeah. So I apologise in advance for anyone if I get that acronym completely wrong. It's new. Good for the young people. But that had some stuff in it as well, and it wasn't forced. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think Hellcat seemed quite laid back and quite... Yeah. Casually diverse. Yeah, it was is, is that, is casually that... diverse. Yeah, it didn't make a big thing. It's like, you know, yeah, it was just part of the overall fabric of the book. It wasn't deliberately yes. setting out to give a message, which I think is a good thing. I think this is the problem to segue off into something completely random because that's this podcast. Um that's the thing about representation is you can either have it in your face and making a statement or you can have it part of the fabric and both schools of thought are good it doesn't matter per Mm -hmm. se but as long as it's a good book yeah i think that's true um what i will say and this is perhaps going to segue into the indie conversation is i think it's easier for books like hellcat kind of be more casual about the representation and up the representation um, and diversity because it's not under the constant kind of scrutiny that Captain America is or Batman or the Justice League or other mainstream heroes are available. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, it's like that's probably one of the reasons why that book got cancelled. It had a longer run than I thought, actually, to be fair. It did quite well. Um, it did eventually get cancelled because I read it. Um, <laughs> that's true. true. It, it is historically true that if we read a book from Marvel, it's getting cancelled. Mm. Uh, Hellcat, Mockingbird, um, Kate's oh. Hawkeye book. Yes. Um, Kate's... I, yeah. West Coast Avengers. Avengers, yeah. Um, All of them. The, the yeah, stuff we like. No the more. stuff we like. So it had a better run than I thought, but like you say, it's easier because that's, it's not a top-tier character. It, it's a safer territory. It's like, if the book fails, we can blame it on the fact that this is not a well-known character. Whereas... Yes. If we made, let's go with a gay Captain America, because Lord knows the internet's been there. Um, If we have that and then it gets, you know, the sales completely plummet through the floor and it gets cancelled, then everyone's like, ah, well, that's because it was, you know, a popular gay character. We can't attempt that again. It's safer to do it for, you know. But, I mean, props to DC. They have been pushing the Batwoman thing and she has a show. 
So, yeah, that's true. There's also the argument that, in a way, having an attractive female lesbian is perhaps more appealing to your general white straight comics readers than perhaps having a gay guy is. I don't know. I'm not a straight person. I don't know how that works. I think I think I can I can definitely see the argument, um, and I can see. On the one hand, yes, <laughs> and I, I guess it begs the question because we we know that uh, we we know that Batwoman has been successful with the LGBTQIA plus community and yeah. with the straight community. So maybe yeah. maybe having attractive Batwoman, good plan. Who, yeah, maybe it's a, just a smart move on dc's part because nobody's okay i'm sure some people are upset about it but oh yeah it's been like 10 years i've learned to just tone them out it's been more than 10 years right it's It's been been more than 10 years final crisis when she got her own book and then it's been a long time i want to say it was batman oh god i wish i didn't know all these things it was batman reborn when bruce is dead where Uh, she got her own title um, and the kind of detective comic series with Renee Montoya, um, which I don't think yeah. has ever been reprinted, which has been That's sad. an irritation for going on 15 years yeah. because you can get Montoya in kind of um, Gotham Central and that one question yeah. book. Uh, five books of blood which ties into final crisis not the important bits of final crisis mind yep. the, the crime bible bits of final crisis yeah. i hate that i remember all of this so well <laughs> um for those of you wondering about the crime bible and uh, final crisis please send messages to matt i think he's yeah. the one who yeah. remembers more than i do and uh, please yeah. don't ask me more questions about it um but yeah, I, I feel like the the early days Montoya Batwoman relationship yeah. question Batwoman probably. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going to use one superhero now, I should two. use them both. Yeah. Um, was really good comics and good representation, and I um, I really liked Montoya as the question. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why that got phased out, and Vic Sage, Vic Sage. Vic Sars? Vic, 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 yes, Vic. Vic. I'm not sure why Vic, Vic came back. I can't Vic. remember his last name. But I, I am not sure why we reverted back after New 52 and Rebirth. and Reboots. Reboots. Retcons. It's all reboots the Reboots on top of Reboots. I mean, having said that, I just remembered, and I should have remembered it because I read it, but Midnight and Apollo got their own little... They did. They did get their own little... That got cancelled pretty early on, I think, because I read it. Anyway. <laughs> was that Steve Orlando? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember things. Yay! No, Not often was, when I need to, but... Well, yeah, so in, in conclusion, there is there is representation in the big two. It's limited in its... It, but then again, they're putting out more books than a lot of indie press are putting out in a year. They're putting out in a week what Valiant have put out in a year. So... <laughs> yeah, I... Um, 
Mm. Valiant, this has not been a great year for their output. This is no. beside the point. That's um, beside the point. But to segue in, so the big two have some representation, but we find more representation in indie comics. Yes, pretty, pretty inarguably, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think we even come to stuff like Vaults as a publisher who have been quite vocal about the idea of making sure that female characters and uh, minority characters are prominently featured in basically everything that they do. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I think they're one of the companies that have been most vocal about it. Um, I always try and find the press release where they talk about it, and I never can, but I know it happened. Yeah. Um, So I know when they launched, they were very big on wanting to have better um, race representation and gender representation and LGBTQIA plus representation. Representation, Um, Which I think they've pretty consistently nailed. I think... Yeah, they're one of the few publishers who seem to have some sort of representation or diversity in pretty much all their books that they're putting out. Definitely, and I think um, we see a lot of creators that are now working for Marvel and DC um, kind of come up through Vault and other companies yeah. as well, you know, um, Black Mask, Aftershock, but, uh, but creators like Vita Alia. Um, yeah. The first books from Vita I read were Submerged, mm, yeah. which is Vault in the past. <laughs> yes, the, the, the dim and distant past, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it seems like indie comics have more freedom for the story you want to tell, having more equal representation, because you're not under the scrutiny of obviously we've talked about like Hellcat and this the books that aren't the most mainstream of the big two that's such a contradiction yeah, um, but it's true the smaller ones of the big two not their marquee characters yeah and then indie books have even less scrutiny and less yeah um less to kind of fight against i guess so if you want to tell something that's more representative i think we see it a lot more flexible in yeah indie comics i feel like indie publishers like vault and black mask and aftershark and image yeah others are available other other (laughs) other publishers do exist yeah are all quite okay with it i don't feel like there's such a panic-stricken response to it as there is sometimes with yeah i think the thing is is because those because they're telling specific stories as well they're not having to shoehorn anything into an existing universe that has 70 years of backstory or 70 years of history it's like they're standalones so well that you know there's there's ongoings i mean the walking dead will continue till literally the zombie apocalypse hey but... the walking dead finished angela they did just it? it again oh god you see it never really ends but that sort of thing so they don't have long running universe like you know 60 issues i mean i don't know how long saga's gonna be saga will never be finished um but a lot of them are sort of you know 40 issues and done story-wise or mm. you know the smaller ones like vault and black mask 
um, you know, like Black Mask, four kids walk into a bank. That's just one trade and done. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so you've got a chance to sort of tell that story because it's not going to be part of a long spanning universe that's going to last until your grandchildren are reading comics. So that does presumably give you way more freedom to play about with what is out there. And, you know, you're like, I want some representation. This is how I'm going to do it. And it's a lot easier to do it because it, it is its own thing. Yes. Well said. Um, <laughs> words. No, no, good words, though. Words that I agree with. And I think, um, yeah, the, the closed stories and the short stories very much open it up to that freedom and telling the story you want to tell. So the representation, if you want it there, it is there. And yeah. I think... We've seen a lot with uh, Vitalia and uh, Mags Visagio as well, I think. Whilst Mags has words for at least DC. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I think she manages to do a lot more kind of trans representation in yeah, her, she does. her work for, I want to say largely Black Mask, right? So I think um, she does, yeah. Sex, Death, Revolution, and Kim and Kim, both yep. trans representation, quite upfront. Yep. Um, very, very good representation. Yeah, I think so. And I think the kind of representation that whilst it's very clear representation and doesn't shy away from it, I think it works well in that it doesn't feel like it's happening in the story just to be there, like it can sometimes feel with... Yeah. Bigger publishers. I feel like Kim and Kim, one of the Kims being trans. I can't remember the Kim's last names, and I know I know. No, I can't remember, <laughs> but it's Kim That's, and Kim. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's a part of the character and it works in that sense. And I feel the same way with things like Sex Death Revol- Sex Death Revolution. I think it's largely what the story is about the story's kind of coming to terms with the past and yeah just that really the coming past. to terms with the past yeah, coming to terms with the past yeah the burden of transitioning yeah oh, that almost sounds yeah. like i know what i'm talking about um <laughs> which i think is it's interesting to tell that story framed in a way with ma- magic yeah <laughs> um yeah I think that's what's interesting about a lot of this representation, particularly in indie books, is that it is framed within fantasy and or sci-fi contexts. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, there are, there are exceptions where we get, like, complete real-world stories. Oh, yeah, we do, which are very uh, good. I think it's nice to have the blending of representation while still telling a sci-fi story, which can feel quite natural at times. I think the idea that yeah. in the future, in space, in it, I think it allows you to play down, downplay? Minimize. Downplay. It allows you to downplay the kind of worse elements of like the human general public response to certain things. I think you can cut that out completely by saying, well, in the space, in space, in the future, everybody's got over it and we live in a better world for it. Yeah. 
which is something we see um, in a lot in the A Wave Blue World anthology series, where we are in a much more positive future where everything's nicer and better. Yeah. Which is good. I like I like the nice yeah. positive future idea. Yeah, because so Call much of but... so much of fiction is dystopian, awful, terrible future. It's nice when it's like hopeful future. Everything might be okay. A Wave Blue World, I think, have actually been very good. Obviously, it's a benefit of the creators they get involved, but I think mm. all of their uh, anthologies have done a good job of kind of being quite representative and quite diverse. Um, yep. I know me and Will talked about maybe someday. Oh, yes. Many weeks ago. Um, equally, I think the predecessor to maybe Sunday, which is all we ever wanted. Hey, well remembered. Um, I think both of those kind of do a good job at representing a nice, diverse potential future. Potential futures. Yeah. Maybe we should use this as a segue into kind of recommending some sci-fi fantasy books. We've not actually done any of the no, recommending. We've I not mean, done I, any of the recommending. I, I mean, I guess technically I've recommended A Wave Blue World. Yeah, I think we can call that a recommendation. Yeah. Chalk that down as one. <laughs> one. Um, I'm trying to... The thing is, is when you think... I will say something that I'm going to... I'm going to fling out just to completely segue into something similar, but also the same. Um, so, <laughs> I know. That made sense in my head. It doesn't make sense to human beings, but whatever. Um, so, one of the things that I've noticed is that, again, so indie publishers not having the need to kowtow to you know establish universe gives them more freedom and more diversity so comicsology originals they're Mm. quite they're you know they give creators that's the other thing to mention is that books that are diverse are not necessarily written by the people represented within which is fine you know if you are a straight white person why shouldn't you be able to write a black female lesbian why not however Having said that, it would be nice if the black female lesbians got the opportunity to be writing about whatever they want to write about. But that's that's the thing. So Comicsology Originals give creators who perhaps are diverse within themselves their chance to do their own representation. And many of them are part of the Comicsology sale. <laughs> so there you go, flinging that out. So what Comixology also allow as well as that is so there's Comixology originals where they get someone to write it, but Comixology submit means as well that diverse creators can put their own diverse comics on Comixology. Sometimes they're ones that have been published through Kickstarter and then later on they've moved on to Comixology Submit, so you can get them. Um, but there's quite, you know, there's a there's a lot of them. There's hundreds, and some of them are diverse. And one that I will be reviewing for the website when I get around to it was Artifice, which was basically prototype android ordered to eliminate some scientists. Um, doesn't kill the 19-year-old human who turns out to be gay. Um, and yeah, you know, romance ensues, but also there's a lot of talking in therapy. Um, 
and it's it it's it is a self-published one, so there is no editorial aside from what the creator wants there to be. But having said that, it is an interesting comment about sort of looking at how, you know gay people fro- through the lens of an android who, as it turns out, is gay, but he doesn't, you know, like how he doesn't know how he why he is. And yeah, it's an interesting thing. So sometimes in these science fiction things, it's like, let's explore the lens of being different through having a character who isn't human, who may look human. They may be a fairy if it's fantasy. They may be a robot if it's science fiction. But explore that through them because they already have an outsider perspective and if you are a member of LGBTQIA+, you may often feel yourself like an outsider. You tied that all together quite nicely. I mean, there you go. I had a I had a point there somewhere. Um, I feel like while we're on the kind of comicsology side of things, we have a kind of obligation to talk about the Pride. Yeah, we do, because it's damn good. And it's got Pride in the name, and that is very appropriate for, you know, Pride Month. Indeed. And um, so for those of you who are not aware, the Pride is Joe Glass's ongoing-ish. Yeah, ongoing. It's Joe, yeah. Yeah. Joe Glass's ongoing um, superhero team book, which began self-published it's been kick-started as a paperback a hardback as everything every all of its possibilities single issues paperback hardback um, and he's now residing at comicsology originals this past week that might not be true when this goes out maybe it is um also was released as a omnibus through dark horse so you can now get pride season one and season two in one paperback um Basically, it is a kind of Justice League type group that are, are built around inclusion and diversity and representation. So, pretty much every member of the Pride is not straight, with the exception of Cub, who is straight. Yes. So, you got Wolf. Fab, oh, got... Fab Man. <laughs> Fab Man Wolf. Muscle Mary, Bear, Bear, hey, um, Twink, Frost, Frost, White Trash, who gets a new name in the second volume. Yes, I can't remember what it is. No, Angel. Yes, yeah. Well that done. I, I think it might be clear them. that we weren't prepared for naming the members of the Pride just then. <laughs> uh, there, are, should have been. there are extra characters added in the second volume, which I think is really good. I think the whilst the first volume of the Pride, as Joe has admitted himself, is quite heavy on featuring different kinds of gay men. Yeah. The second volume the kind of gets... Muscle Mary. Said, yeah, and, mm. and Frost, and, and th- Frost. There are yeah. some, um, there are some exceptions. Uh, volume two kind of expands more into intersex characters and trans characters more heavily, and just yeah, expands yeah. on that diversity. But whilst featuring a lot of uh, diverse 
characters does still feature the occasional straight character as a member of the team and kind of works on the idea of allies being essential and the inclusion and yeah the pride not being exclusionary in any way and being about being for everyone because pride is for everyone that's yeah it's it's got a nice message to it the pride yeah there's a really good message behind the pride and i think whilst i like volume one season one as it is now yeah um I think season two just really ups the game and kind of, I think the confidence has been built up a lot in Joe's writing and the idea behind the pride after the first six issues and then the pride adventures feels like season two is kind of firing on all cylinders for a metaphor. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that means, but I just hear yeah, people say it's, it. It's a, good, it's a good metaphor. <laughs> I think it's true because it's like, there was a lot of establishing going on with the Pride season volume one. Um, and also he didn't really know what the reception was going to be. Yeah. Uh, but because it did well and because people liked it um, and loved it, then it felt like he had more confidence doing season two, like mm-hmm. taking more pride in the Pride. See what you did there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think Joe Glass's other work as well, um, so Acceptable Losses, which is kind of yeah. a dark, gritty Captain America type story. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. Also has some diverse representation. Not as on the surface as The Pride, but I guess it's hard it's to be there. as on the surface as The Pride. Um, yeah. We also have Glitter Vipers, which yes. is an LGBTQIA plus street gang protecting manchester's gay village so yeah it's kind of nice i I, I like it when we see manchester in comics yeah it's also got a positive you know baseball bat wielding message yes (laughs) i'm i'm all for that i think more baseball bat wielding people please that's what i'm all about i get wait yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's largely what i'm about not sure about the baseball bats um yeah but it was yeah it, it was really it was a really good way of dealing with that um sort of issue um yeah uh good job yeah um but i I would recommend all of joe's work i yeah i think i think the pride is the the starting point yeah and then explore more of his stuff because it's all it's all good yeah and and more accessible than ever which is nice it's yeah digital through dark dark course you can now pick up the trade I'm guessing in any comic book shop. Well, any good comic book shop. Yeah. Uh, going back to Mags of Zaggio and Comixology, you've got yeah. Lost on Planet Earth. Again, good representation. Kind of a... Almost a Star Trek parody at times, but... Yeah. Not as in-space parody-ish. Kind of grounded Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> Seems like a contradiction, but I'm standing but, by yeah. it. Um, are we just descending into recommendations now? Is that where we? Well, we can descend into that particular scenario. I mean, it is worth having a look at comic. I mean, Comicsology currently has a Pride sale. Presumably, that will continue until the end of June. Presumably, because that's when it ends. <laughs> that's when Pride ends. So I'm assuming they'll have it there. Um. 
But there is then there is a diverse kind of lot in there. There's stuff from the big publishers. There's stuff from the little publishers. Um, there is, you know, there's various, you know, all all of the publishers are involved. So, for example, this Kim Reaper, not to be confused with Kim and Kim, as I often do, um, but that's by Sarah Grayley, and that is about basically a girl has crush on girl, girl's part-time job turns out to be she's the Grim Reaper. Um, it, I've not read the second one, but the first one was quite, it was quite okay. <laughs> it was, that doesn't, the first one was cute. It was, yeah, the first one was quite cute. I've not read the second one. But it was, it was, it's basically a meet cute between two girls and yet grim reaping, which is always nice. It's, it's funny. It's amusing. What more do you want out of that? But that's in the sale. So I just thought I'd pluck that one out of the air because I have knowledge of it. Can't really argue with you on that. That makes good sense. Um, I would definitely say going back to Comixology Originals, because apparently I'm managing to do that. Um, I'm pretty sure I recommended this to you last year. Uh, youth, youth was really good. It's... Oh, Will has also recommended me Youth. I really need to read Youth because I am getting it from all corners that I should read Youth. Yeah, it's. Oh, I have to say words I hate now, but it's a, I guess, kind of a coming of age story with queer teenagers and superpowers. Um. <laughs> It's uh, it's the coming of age story thing. I get sick of saying I'm okay with quiz quiz teenagers and superpowers. <laughs> um, I just feel like ninety percent of books are described as coming of age stories at the moment. They are, yeah. Um, but youth is a very good. I want to say it's four issues, and I think season two is coming out at the moment. Um, but yeah, really good, really good, brief story and superpowers and yeah. Things. Things we like in comics. Yes. Yes, we do, on occasion. Yeah, on occasion. We Um, like all the time. But yeah, youth is definitely worth checking out. Um, Also, and I constantly think we should do this for a book club episode of the podcast or a book club of the book club-y book club. (laughs) Um, But My my Lesbian Experience with Loneliness by Abby Nagata good um that is something we should probably do it's really good i think she's done i want to say she's done two sequels now um solo exchange diary and the other one (laughs) not read the third one yet as that may have suggested but kind of yeah chronicles her struggles with depression and coming to terms with her own sexuality and it's just just a really good quite short manga read i say quite short it's probably like let's be honest like most mangas i think it's short but it's probably about 200 pages yeah (laughs) short manga is different to normal short yes um but very very good book um and yeah i just think quite this is going to sound strange considering it's about you know being a depressed lesbian and well realizing you're a depressed lesbian but i think quite relatable in a lot of the themes within it yeah i I like that (laughs) 
See, that's that's what good good representation is that you can relate in some way, not necessarily in your own experience, maybe empathetically, but in some way yeah. you can relate. That is true. I kind of wish we had more mangas to recommend, but I feel like that's a sign that we don't read enough manga. We, we don't read a lot of manga, I'm afraid. No, I, it's just because I grew up reading left to right and reading right to left still makes my brain hurt. I, I just... occasionally force manga onto you with the book. You do, and... yeah. Yeah, and Pluto, to be fair, sad robots. Oh, Pluto is so good. No queer representation, but very good. Not that I can think of, but... No. <laughs> Still, still good, good books. Still good. Um, I feel like I can just sit here giving you recommendations for an yeah. infinite period of time. I think the um, thing is, it all depends what you want out of a representative book, in a way. So mm-hmm. some people, you might want a meet-cute that reads like a heterosexual romance book that, you know, is really hot with teenagers right now, I hear. I don't know what the what the youths like, but you know that kind of thing. Or on the other hand, you might want a book where I don't know a badass lesbian fights space monsters, which is a different thing entirely. That's that's kind of the thing. Is representation can be as diverse as the books themselves. So we can rec- we can be here forever recommending different bits and pieces um and different books because there are so many different ones that all do a good thing in different ways but i think the the key thing there is they have to be good books and not not all this is the problem is we often give a book a pass because it's got representation in it and that's not necessarily what, you know, it's like, ah, yes, but we have gay people in this book, therefore it's good, or we have black people, or we have more female characters. And we give it a pass because of those things rather than the quality of the story or the art or whatever is in that book. And we do need to, you know, set yourself a high bar, people. Don't just accept something because it has LGBTQIA plus characters in it you know it has to be a book that's also good because i think the bar should be as high for diverse and representative books as it is for any other book that's why i like the pride because it's a really good book particularly you know and season two is really great yes and that's, yeah, yeah. that's you know that's why we'd recommend it because it's really good and you know that's the thing is is make sure that whatever you're reading representation wise don't waste your time on something just because you think oh it's it's got representation in it i should read it make sure that you know you're reading something that's good because and i think that's important as well is that the more good books out there with representation on there the stronger the argument is is that that representation belongs out there and is on a par with everything else i think that's really well said and a a very strong point i think Unfortunately, a lot of books do um, avoid criticism by having good representation. And I, I think it's important that we acknowledge that you can have good representation whilst not being perfection as a book. There's, yeah. there's still room for things to improve and... Yeah, I think I think that's a very valid point. Well said, Angela. 
But I, I think that's true. Yeah, all things should be held to a a, a good standard. And by no means, you know, if, if you're into things and they have good representation, great. But yeah, standards are good. Holding things to yeah. wanting them to be the best comics they can be and yeah. have good representation. Yeah. The, the dream. In many the ways. dream. The dream. Good books with good diversity. Yay. Sometimes it feels like we ask a lot, but not, not really right now. No. <laughs> no. And yet that seems to be quite an effort at the moment in some quarters. But hey. Indeed. Um, we will be keeping up the recommendations throughout Pride Month. Um, I think we've both definitely got some. It's not going to end up being a Pride recommendation because... I'm, I'm kind of reviewing it in singles, but Alice in Leatherland is real good. <laughs> I need to read Alice in Leatherland because, yeah, it sounds fun and good. And, yeah, good. A good book with good representation. There we go. It yes. passes my test. <laughs> I um, I did feature for one of our Pride recommendations, um... Yolanda Zanfordino's first graphic novel, which is Midnight Radio, which is oh, worth yeah. checking out. Um, I think that there's definitely some similarities between that and Alice in Leatherland. Um, uh, Alisa Ramboli's artwork, I think, while similar, might be slightly cuter, I guess. It's kind of... Mm. I don't know. Cuter... There's a certain kind of more like manga inspired adorability. Is, it, is adorability a word? Or adorability just... is a word. I'm sure it was added to the dictionary some time ago. It's fine. Uh, but I, I, yeah, Alison Leatherland has been really good. And yeah. Yes. And yeah, that's also good stuff. Yeah, we will try and keep up the recommendations. There is yeah. some other stuff. I mean, I have to say, I have read some stuff that was in the Comixology sale, and it's okay. It wasn't... Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the problems, isn't it? That not everything is great. But... No. And, you know, I'm out there in a, you know, looking through stuff. I'm like, oh, that's cheap. I'll give it a go. And then I give it a go, and I think, yeah, I'm glad it was cheap. <laughs> Harsh, but... Mm. Yeah, I won't tell you which they were because there's literally hundreds of titles in that sale. They'll just be the ones Angela doesn't write about in the next few weeks. <laughs> I will write about them all. But how will you know which ones she's not written about? Yeah, you won't know, people. You won't know. I mean, I did one of the ones that I did look at was the queer romance anthology, which was good but it is kind of hobbled by the fact it's an anthology so some of the stories are good some of the stories you want more of some of them feel like they've they could be shorter it's just the nature of anthologies it's a bit of a yeah of course which um, i knew that going in um some of them i would really like to see sort of a more a more expanded version of which i'm never gonna get but we live in hope. Don't we all? Um, that is fair. Anthologies. The amount of anthologies I read and think, I could do with a little bit more of this and I'm never going to get it. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. 
so I think whilst we can keep making recommendations, I think we might be nearly at the end of this. Yes, I think we. I mean, we've come to the conclusion: representation, good. Yeah. Pride, good. Diversity, good. Good. It's all good. So on that note, on that note, not bombshell this week. On that note, on that note, on that rainbow flag coloured (laughs) note. Nicely done. We've been Angela and Zach. This has been bigger than capes. We'll continue to be. And remember that comics are bigger bigger than than capes. capes.